well. Uh, well, once again, good morning and welcome. For those of you who uh, missed me earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at DCC, and we are in a series called Love Well. And we're just taking a couple of weeks to talk about what does it mean to, to, to love others well? And what does it mean to actually live a life of significance, to be used in an incredible way by God? And maybe you, know, maybe you struggle with that, or you look at the, the challenges in the world, and you say, well, if I, I do one thing, it feels like it's not actually doing anything, because it feels like everything just kind of keeps being undone. And we serve somebody, and it just a problem, other problems seem to develop. And it's hard sometimes to look outside of our own world when we see everything that's happening and trust that it is leading somewhere and that God is using us. And so we need to be encouraged by God and understand that He is. And if we take faithful steps, even in little things, that He's using that. And He has been doing that since the beginning. And so last week we looked at the story of Moses, someone who would say, okay, that's someone who did something significant. God used him to lead the people that out, of Israel, out, of, uh, out of Egypt and all the, the, they had been in slavery for 400 years and he'd, you know, he was part of that, you know, leading them out and then all these incredible stories and there's been movies made about him. Even people who don't know, you know, believe in God would know who, know who Moses is. But we looked at his story and when God engaged him and said, I've, he told him this is all going to happen, by the way. <laughs> and then he gave him all the details, everything that we've ever wanted. And Moses' response was, please, God, send anybody else but me. And it's amazing to look at his awful beginning, as if, if you look at it. But what it really is, is, is how we all feel that our identity, there's something in us that struggles we know the things that are broken in us, and if we get thrusted out there, we know that that will come out or whatever it may be. And so we, we've learned that, hey, we all feel this way. Even when God is speaking to us directly, we, we, our hang-ups and everything that happened can get in the way. And we're learning that God, to trust God's words with us, that He's not trying to get us to be to this person and then He can use us. No, He wants to use you now as you are who you are right now. That's who he wants to use with the gifts and abilities you do have and all your hang-ups. Moses is like, I stutter. I can't do these things. I can't talk to people, much less lead them. And he's like, I'm not going to Pharaoh. Like, we have a history. Like, God's like, I want to use you as you are right now and begin to lead your life. So we're learning to trust him and learning to trust those words where he says, I will be with you. We hear that over and over again in the scriptures. When Jesus came along, he said those same words to us. I will be with you. So, okay, great, God, I'm, 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 I'm going to trust you. I'm going to step out in faith and begin to just to serve or do something to love others to, so my life can be used and be part of this story that you've called me to. So you and I, we begin to do something. We stay, take steps. We begin. And then, then what happens? Maybe it doesn't feel significant or you run into challenges. What do you do? Because that is absolutely going to happen. What if you take a step and you forget to, to tell people about having music behind your prayer during prayer in silence and you make it incredibly awkward for people? I'll just use a really recent example for me. Like, what do you do when challenges happen? Well, we need to know that God's with us, that those challenges will feel significant. So I want to take us to another story out of a book that, that many of you don't even know exists in, the, in, the, in the, the scriptures. It's called Haggai, the book of Haggai. In fact, if, you were to, if we did a contest, this would be really weird. We're not going to do it, but like to try to flip through a Bible. Most of us have it on the phone anyway. So on the phone, you can find it quickly. But, um, 
you would skip it because it's only two chapters long. And so it's the book of Acts, but it's a significant part of God's story in his nation of Israel in helping them come back. They had been in captivity. Uh, Israel had been conquered and is split into two sections, and they are both eventually conquered, and they are conquered by Babylon, and they'd been away for 70 years. But then Babylon was, I believe, defeated by the Persians, and they took over everything, and they began to allow them to go back to their homeland, and groups of them, to go, if they wanted to, to go back and begin to rebuild uh, their old homes and where they would live and, and in their own country. And so they allowed the remnant to go back. And so, I mean, that was incredible for them. So many of them did that. It was not an easy place to do it. It was dangerous and, and not necessarily protected. And so they got to it, but they began to rebuild their homes and out of God, their covenant with God and His call specifically to them, they got their priorities out of order, which you and I kind of do a lot in our lives as well. We just put ourselves first. So they put themselves first, but that was not their actual commitment to God. And so they began to build all their homes and to do all these different things, and they ran into trouble. And God essentially got the leftovers of their lives. And, and so we do that as well. We're like, if I've got a little bit of time, maybe I'll engage or give or do something like that. And so that's kind of their scenario. But they're rebuilding their homes. But we, you could also look at that and understand they're trying to build shelters. But they had all kinds of trouble because of this. Their, their harvest was not very good at all. Uh, their goods that they were, they were developing, they didn't have as much as they should have been. It, just, it was all this trouble, and, and they were, even the money that they made and dealings with their others, all these kind of hardships hit them. And so God sends Haggai to begin to speak to them and lead them toward, out of this mindset and towards what was most significant and begin to lead them to take steps. So this is the part where they begin to trust God and to follow Him and know that He is doing a work in their lives. Um, but, but then that wasn't easy. And so uh, Haggai comes, and this is found in Haggai chapter 1, and it says, Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. He says, I am with you, declares the Lord. There's that phrase again. It's all over scriptures. He wants you, and I know that we can trust Him and that he will be with us, all right? So I will be with you. It says, so the Lord stirred up the spirit, and this is an amazing name, by the way, uh, when we look at the Old Testament scriptures, uh, the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel. I, I mean, I don't even know how to say that properly. Anyway, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of uh, Josadak, uh, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And so they, God began to stir up their hearts. <coughs> It says, they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. And for them, at this point in time, they were going to rebuild the temple, which represented the presence of God. And before Christ, God was represented in this place that they would go to. And when Jesus came, he changed all of that. And this is part of that story. It's amazing. And so... They began to do that, and so they, they're like, okay, well, you're right. You know, you're right. We, we, should, we should put God first. We're going to change this and begin to trust him, and they began to do the work. So here's the premise here. So, right, so we have people. They were in all kinds of trouble. They were not being obedient to God as they had committed to him to do, and so they, be, they began to be convicted by this word of God, and so they began to do the work and actually rebuild the temple, and by rebuilding, it was destroyed. And the temple that used to be there was a temple that Solomon built. 
the super wise man Solomon, one of the greatest you know, leaders that's probably that's ever lived, one of the wisest people that ever lived, he had built an amazing kingdom in this unbelievable temple. It was huge, it looked incredible, it had all this gold and everything else with it. So this is, you know, like they have this in their minds, but they begin to do the work. And so when they begin to do the work, they got really discouraged. They began to get frustrated because it just it looked puny. <laughs> in fact, it had been so, it had been so close to the time. Like it had been, they'd been captive for seventy years. There were, there were the grandparents with them that had seen, actually seen, and experienced the former temple. And I'm sure they told stories about it, how they oh, went in there. This is amazing. And so they're actually part of the rebuilding process as well. They're still alive. And so Haggai talks to them about this. They begin to get discouraged. This is what he says. He says, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Like, you, you remember, right? He says, How does it look to you now? And they're like, oh, it's not very good. Like, they're starting, and he's like, does it not seem to you like nothing? And this is fascinating to me. I think about this. It's kind of like the, I was thinking this week about my, my grandfather, who has now passed away. Uh, but the, the generation that fought in World War II in our country, from, some of you might be a, a great grandparent that was part of that. But that generation tackled in, incredible problems, right, in the world. And, and there's so many incredible stories that came out of that that it's just movies, even now today, continue to come out about these, all these heroic stories. And so that generation has been labeled, I don't know, you've probably heard this right, the greatest generation. So my parents were the, the kids of the greatest generation. I mean, how, how fun is that, right? Yeah, yeah, the generation before, they were the greatest. Like we've now decided that was it. They are the greatest generation is what we've labeled them. And, you know, honestly, they're, they're kind of right. Like my grandfather, I remember he could do it all. He could build, a, he could do every part of a house. He could do all the ele electrical work, uh, all the framework. I remember they would re they really finished uh, part of the home that I was in growing up, and they did every single part of it. They didn't hire anybody. Uh, he knew anything about everything. He was the, the masterful gardener. My wife, who loves gardening, uh, when he was still alive, she met, she met him, and he had this flower out, and she was like, that's, and she could come here and tell you exactly what it is right now, but she's like, that's the most, I cannot grow this flower. It's the hardest flower to grow. She's like, what do you do to get this to happen? And he's like, oh, I'll just add water. I'm serious. What he said, yeah, just water it. And he says, here you go. You can have this one. She's like, great. And then it died. <laughs> he could do everything. It was crazy. And like by himself, he had this massive garden with corn and all this other stuff in it. And we're like, are you kidding me? And so, yeah. I mean, the, another analogy would be like, it's like being Michael Jordan's son, right? It's like, okay, your dad, I mean, you, see, you grow up idolizing him, and you see like other, like, so Patrick Mahomes is a famous quarterback right now. His dad was an MLB player, but now he's like, so he's the son of this big athlete, and now he's an even greater athlete. Like, we identify with that, but what do you do when your dad was the greatest athlete, or you're LeBron James' kid, and, they, they have, and they're playing right now, and they have a focus on them, it's like there's actually nowhere to go. <laughs> like, like you're just go always going to be underneath that. And so there's like this feeling of this. So it, it, for everybody there, like they're all the grandkids of the people that saw the temple. And so, you know, all the, the grandparents are literally walking around and go, I remember the day when the temple had 
giant pillars. These things are awful. Like, there's cracks in this. And, like, and so they're actually disappointed as well. And they, they're laying bricks. And the next guy's, well, when we laid the bricks there, weren't like this. Like, so this is happening. And they're discouraged. And they want to stop. And I, it's, it's just so pertinent because you and I, anytime you do, you kind of trying to do significant work, or you pursue Christ, there's going to be a time when you're just going to be discouraged. It's not going to look like you wanted it to, or your life is derailed, or you're just, you're broken in your own life, and you blow it. You mess it up. You walk away. You hurt someone. You do something to someone else that, that you wish you had the closest people in your life. We, we hurt each other the most because of our brokenness, and we do things, and we're discouraged. The causes of discouragement, we see comparisons. I mean, that's a huge one in all things. No matter how long you do something, there's always someone that's going to come alongside and do it better or look, look like they're doing it better. Their filter was better, whatever it might be, and, and comparisons eat at our heart. Or lack of progress. You're just not progressing like somebody else did. They started after you, and then here they are getting ahead of you. They just joined the company, and or you changed careers, you changed jobs, and you felt like it was a setback. Something happens, and you have a lack of progress, and your heart just sinks in discouragement weighs heavy on us, and it's hard for us. And many times we're comparing our start, whatever you began, with someone else's finish. Our stories are so different. Our backgrounds, what we walk through, is so different than other people's. And it's not comparable, but it's hard for us when we begin to do this. We know it's been done or done better. We see it being done better by someone else, and everything's taken completely out of context. That's what social media is so good at, right? Somebody posts something, and you just assume everything else that's outside the picture, right? And, and, we, and it's not as amazing as we would think, and so we compare others to our past and the current circumstances, everything else, and you compare it to your own past. You know your own failings. How could you continue to do this? Or maybe you feel like you're not actually making a dent or an impact in the world when you do something. It feels like just a drop in the bucket. You ever been there? So what do you do? So this is where we see, and I love, the beauty of God and His story and where this beauty and where His story is so powerful for us. Our Huge, amazing, big God who created the world, who knows us, loves to use the simple things. He loves to use the beginning things, the things that don't measure up or compare, to confound the wise. You think about Jesus himself came down in the most humblest of places, born as a baby in a humble manger, the Savior of the world. God was coming to say, I, I want to work in the humble, small beginnings. So God steps into this story to encourage the people and call them to remember. And so here's the encouragement that he says to them. 
and we get to hear some of these great names again. He says, but he says, be now, he says, but now, excuse me, but now be strong. Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Zodak. I'm just going to say it really fast and it works, right? The high priest. These are the leaders, the people that had committed their lives to him. He says, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. He says, just get to it. Be faithful. Be obedient. He says, what? For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. When we get discouraged, we don't feel like God is there. We don't feel like he is with us. We want to get up and we want to walk away. But that's why we want to stand in his grace and say, no, I trust that you are with me. That's what Mo he said exactly to Moses. Moses is like, I can't do this. He says, no, I will be with you. And throughout this second chapter of Haggai, he begins to remind them. And, and right here in this, this, this verse 4 of chapter 2, we see that he reminds them of his presence. He says, I will be with you. And then he gives them very simple instructions. He says, be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. Do what you know that you can do that is right in front of you. And we trust that God is with us. With the simple steps that you do. Be strong and do the work. He continues here in verse 5. It says, According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. And so he reminds them of the promises that he had made to them before. He says, I am going to be faithful to my promise to you. He reminded them all the way back to the days of Moses when he brought them out of Egypt. He says, I promised you this. And this is still happening today. And your lives are pursuing a story if you'll trust me. He goes on to say in the next several verses here, starting in verse 6, he says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, well, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with, with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and all the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. So he's referring to this temple, and he's like, do you understand there's something coming in the future that's going to be greater than the former? He says, in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. So he reminds them of his, of his promises in the past, and he begins to give a future promise of greater glory to come. This is a mind-blowing statement. And so they used to have to go to the temple to make sacrifices to get to God and to be reminded of, and to be, to be, to be forgiven and to be made clean constantly over and over. But now, since Christ has come, we have become the temple. That was the mystery of Christ that the prophets were longing to know about. And then Christ came and now his temple lives in us. It's incredible. He sacrificed his son to get to you and I and to bring him back into himself so we could be forgiven once and for all. There's been one sacrifice made and this is incredible. Like God is still doing this work in us today and he's calling you to this. And so we know, we know and can see a faithful God in the past and in the present. He is continually calling us to see this and to trust him with our future. And so we can love well. We can love others well, and know that in the simple steps we take, 
to love one another, to love our city, that God is using this. It's why we started DCC. We wanted to see a local church family here. And thank God, since then, we've seen other churches begin to do that. And it was our prayer that maybe as we began, as we love the city well, that they will be welcoming to others that were doing the same. It's why we do our, our Go Jersey City event every single year. This month, uh, we're launching a partnership with the Sharing Place Food Pantry. We're, we're once a month, a team, uh, whoever wants to join in, uh, up to about 12 or 15 people will go and, and help them prepare for their monthly uh, food distribution where they serve hundreds of families here in Jersey City and in the community. And we're thankful for these relationships with others. It's why we do our dinner groups. We want you to engage in community with one another. This next week, our dinner group signups are going to begin, and they meet weekly and engage with one another. It's why we do connection events. We love to serve our city and just have fun. Connection events are places where we just engage, have fun with one another. It's why we want to throw parties here, because Jesus loved to attend parties, and we want to just follow Jesus' example. We know that if we trust him in the story here in this city, that he will be faithful. So you ask, well, how do I live a significant life? How do I make an impact? Or does it really matter? We need to be reminded and encouraged when we feel these things. When you feel like giving up or when you're discouraged, he says, stay strong, keep working, do the results. Keep pursuing me for I will be with you. You. He doesn't say, dream the dream. He just says, be faithful with what you know is in front of you. He's like, talk the talk, right? He says, no, just comp- compare with others. Don't worry about them. Just be faithful to what he has given you. Be learning to stay consistent to what God showed you to do. Or maybe you say, I don't know what he has to do. Well, what can you do? What is in front of you? That's what I always encourage you to see. This is what the Apostle Paul said to us in Galatians. He says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And if there was anybody that had a reason to be discouraged, it was Paul. He had been in prison so many times. And so he couldn't get to these churches to visit them. So he just started writing them these letters and communicating with them. You know, not knowing that this would become part of the New Testament. And his understanding of who Christ was and all these principles have a profound impact on us today. You never know what God is doing through the simplest of tasks. And so that's why I love this book of Haggai. We see these two chapters. It's crazy. If you ever want to say, I read a book of the Bible, that's just to read that one. And be like, I did it. So, right? So what we see is that our choices matter. What the people were doing, they were, they were getting their selfishness, their, their self-centered lives ahead of God, and they're wondering why things were so messed up. But they learned to put the priorities in place for them. They were learning that their choices mattered. But we also see that the obedience of God's people is how God chooses to work in the world. It's how he chooses to work in our city. He has chosen us to be part of this. And us following him allows us to do this. And so that's why we love to invite you to take next steps with us. If you're just joining us this summer, this is a phenomenal month for you to be engaging with us because there are so many simple steps that you can take. 
that helps us to know and to remember that God is still at work in this world today. In the world where we see communities ravaged by hurricanes, it's a place for us to step in and to love them, to give to organizations out of the abundance of money that we do have. It allows us to love our neighbors here or to help them. People who flooded this week, we could go help them clean out. Like there are people that we live around that need people to love them. He's still at work in the world today through you. Through you. Isn't that incredible? Challenges. We can put this up, guys. It's okay. Challenges are an opportunity to, to show his love to others. He's not calling you to an outcome, but to obedience to what is happening now. We are part of the plan. We are part of this plan. So let's be faithful. Let's pursue God, and that will help us love well. My prayer for us this fall is that together we serve and love this family, and we love this city, and in that, God wants to step into your life. Just like Caroline's story, where she found her place in a time of discouragement, but she found as she began to pursue him and take steps to serve, she said, my life began to be filled up. She found the calling that God had on her. And the same is true of you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. We thank, thank you so much for who you are, your love for us, that you step into our lives when we are struggling. Even when we're, when, like we look at the nation of Israel in this book, like when they were, even when we're disobedient, when we're going the wrong way, you came in to pursue them, to lead them towards what will be life. God, I pray that for me, I need to hear this as much as anybody else. And for us here today and for those listening online, that we would trust those words of, I will be with you. Those desires that are deep down in our heart, the things that we long for, I pray that we would learn to give them to you. And that we would find the freedom and the joy of pursuing you in the small things, in the little steps. I pray for us this fall as we begin to engage and start, we start dinner groups, and we start at a new location, that you would be glorified, that we would love this city as you have loved us. Father, we thank you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.